Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Tony Mendoza, and Tony's actually someone who reached out to me via um, the social media sphere because he stumbled upon Film Trooper, I think, uh, through a Google search or something. Anyhow, he was really enthusiastic and wanting to just chat. So I decided to record this Skype session. So I apologize as I'm still trying to learn my way around Ecamm's uh, call recorder um, and just sort of clean up um, these Skype recordings. Also, I think we get in a little discussion about some other filmmakers and some other entrepreneurs. And I, I probably butcher their names, so I really apologize that um, ahead of time. It's uh, not out of disrespect. It's just that I'm an idiot. And um, anyhow, so Tony is a filmmaker, and he has uh, written and directed a feature film called Pitching Hope, which I think found distribution, as well as he runs this web series called The Next Shot.TV. And the concept is pretty interesting because the idea is that he makes these short uh, webisodes, episodes and then allows the audience to decide what the next shot or the next scene is going to be. And then he goes ahead and films those scenes. And uh, he's got one about, like, American zombies. He's also got another one with, like, gangsters. Anyhow, it's a pretty interesting conversation, and this is different than some other podcasts we've had before because this is literally just a off-the-cuff conversation. So you're eavesdropping on this. The cool thing about it is that I think it reveals a lot more about what Film Trooper is trying to accomplish, and you get a little bit more insight um, about everything that we're trying to do here. So, again, before we get started, if you want a free gift – please go to freegearguide.com and you can get this equipment resource guide of all the gear that I use to make a feature film with no crew, which you'll hear more about Tony and I talking about in this episode. So let's just get on with it here on the Film Trooper podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was figuring that much because I, I was checking out your stuff on uh, a little bit on Vimeo, on your Vimeo channel. I, I saw you did some audio tests with your daughter and then you uh, did some uh, like a PSA video as well. So yeah. You know, all the stuff that you do, uh, just get on with it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, here's the equipment. You know, as long as I capture some footage, I should be able to edit it. And uh, that's what got this started. And the, and the thing with the Cube was I had finished it like last summer, but I was like, I don't have like a, a marketing platform for it. And so that is how Film Trooper came about was simply like, I wonder if I could share my experiences or what I'm trying to do, which is like, I'm just trying to take a movie I make and then find a, a small audience to sell it to. And as long as I keep the production costs low, I should be able to be profitable. And that's the whole concept where everybody's talking about like, okay, you know, do your big crowdfunding, you know, get your 100000 or 25000 like, you know, before your stuff is even made. Then you get to the film festivals. You get, then you get that distribution deal. And like my whole thing is like, I wonder if I can go smaller. If I can, What if I do opposite? What if I say – you know, I'm not asking anybody for money. I'm just, I think I can make a film with the resources I have, and then I could try to craft it to a paying audience directly using all these online distribution tools to give it to them directly and use um, proven online marketing strategies to market it to them and not have to worry about a deal and see if I can't carve out a, um, a fan base enough to create like a sustainable living, you know. A, right. career, a career out of it. So I'm 
really try to use Film Trooper as a as a, a voice piece for stripping it all down to the the most bare essential of like the filmmaker now can be in the same playing field as an as a um, independent author or a musician who can create everything out from their la- from their laptop and then sell it to their audience or their fan base directly and you and you avoid all middlemen you don't sign away any distribution deal you know <coughs> that kind of stuff and then you just keep repeating it um, it's not for everybody I don't think film trooper is and there's because I think what it is is there's so many uh, other great uh, advice out there if you're trying to like do crowdfunding if you're trying to do um, film festival runs if you're trying to get into a, a distribution deal like how to do all that stuff um, I'm just choosing to say like I think it could also even go even smaller and that's and I'm trying to like play that niche and do the best I can with that. Uh, not to say that I won't ever try to do something bigger. It just means that for what Film Trooper at the at the core of it, that's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping that it builds sort of a skill set that when you do decide to add more people into it, or if you decide to bring in a distribution company and look at the deal that you get of all the things that like Stacey Parks has taught, is simply like knowing what the realities are, like what you're really getting into, what you're really signing away, what rights you're signing away so that you're, you can make the most, the best educated uh, decision possible. So that's kind of a quick uh, rundown of, of, of my, my spiel. Like prior to all this stuff, prior to me trying to get that movie do over made, I spent the last 12 years, the first 12 years of my professional career uh, running the movie department, the cinematic department for PlayStation. So, Oh wow! Um, yeah, so I had I was lucky. I was coming out of film school, made some you know bad short films like we all do, and had made one that was somewhat decent enough to get a job at PlayStation, working in the video department. Uh, and they just started. I mean, nobody even knew what PlayStation was. So I just was the right time, right place, right time. Stayed there for twelve years. As as it grew, so did my uh, skill sets, and my and a department was built around that. And um, so I've you know had the opportunity to work with like some of the high, you know, huge groups of talented people. So I took all that experience and I'm just trying to bring it right down to uh, the core basics, what the film trooper is. So I do have that past experience working with, you know, like I said, uh, big titles and big visual effects artists and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that was fun, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to strip it down even smaller. (laughs) Right, right. No, I hear you, man. That's, no, it's cool. It's um, the 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 thing that, that that attracted me specifically to what you were doing there was the the concept of business. I mean, I'm I work full time with the military, so a lot of my anal retentiveness or my um, analytical, you know, looking at things. I mean, I can get all hippie and turn into an artist and and make films. I, I mean, I do have that attribute about myself, but I think the fact that I do have this. I hate to call it a business sense because I can't say I've ever ran a successful business, but just <laughs> this 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 objective sense, like okay, how do we get this done? Um, I I've, I kept asking myself and asking myself, you know, there's got to you have to know business. Um, there's a thousand short films out there that are fantastic. There's fantastic filmmakers, but like there are comedians and everything else. But it's the guy it's the guy that knows how to harness the audience. You know, harness those viewers that are going to come and, and look at his stuff, whether they pay or they just watch or whatever, getting those eyes, um, you know, on you, you know. And, and you know what? The, the truth is 
I noticed on Facebook, in my opinion, filmmakers are selfish, man. They post a bunch of shit online and they're like, look at my stuff, look at my stuff. But then they don't, they don't comment on other people's stuff, you know? Right. Um, and so, uh, I shot a, uh, I shot a feature film. A lot of the things you're talking about, I'm, I'm very uh, intimate with. Um, I shot a feature film when I got back from Afghanistan and, uh, got on the Stacy Parks thing and, uh, was able to find a distributor, followed her model, you know, put up the website, get your key art, uh, do your one page synopsis. Um, I was a little sneaky, uh, going down to AFM my first year. Um, I used to be a director, mm -hmm. uh, program director for a film festival out here in uh, Nevada. So I went in there with my little H4 zoom and say, Hey, I'm from so-and-so film festival. I'd like to do an interview with you, you know, in between their appointments. And so when I got in there, I would I would lead the questions to see if they were looking for any family films. And then after the tape went stop and everything was done, I would do my whole hey, I noticed in the interview you were looking for a family film. Could I give you a you know my one page and you know about my film? Blah blah blah. Nice. So, yeah, it was it was tricky. It was sneaky. I went down there on the ah. two hundred fifty dollar package, you know, yeah. just look, you know. And that's I said, well, okay, this is what I'll do. And uh, in a nutshell, I found a, a very boutique distribution company that sat on my film for a year and did nothing. Mm. I, uh, I, I was able to get it into the hands of another distribution company that had a current website and current films continu continually to rotate. They answered their phone. They did everything that you, know, you thought they were supposed to do. They asked for all sorts of deliverables, which spooled my, uh, my, my skill set up. Of, oh, they need closed captioning and they need a QC. Yeah you know everything they asked for and uh and then i was uh just i mean this week man i was listening to a podcast by a dude named jason i think it's like filmmaker stuff and me and him chatted on the phone before oh, brubaker yeah 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 and he's just talking about yeah uh yeah they'll sign a deal with you but most of them are just aggregators and they're going to get it on netflix and they're going to do hulu and amazon guess what so can you and then they're going to ask you for your email list and they're going to ask for this this and that and i'm promising you scott like that day, later on in the day, I got on the phone because I heard the, I, the the podcast. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I just want to get an update. It's like, yeah, well, this is where we are. And in the next month to uh, uh, 60 days, we'll be asking you for your uh, for your email. Lit. And you just <laughs> ran through. I was like, you motherfuckers, man. You know, and, just, and, yeah. that, and, and that film was shot, you know, with, with 30 grand uh, with fellow film students. Mm hmm. I ran auditions online while I was in Afghanistan. They would YouTube them to me. I like to think I was kind of ahead of the game a little because I didn't see any uh, YouTube auditions before all that. And right. I mean, I learned so much. So I, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't complain. But again, I'm an eight-year film student. I'll be graduating with my two-year degree finally, finally this year. And but then my, to bring it full circle, I, I, I got a hold of, um, I saw Spencer Haas. And they talked about niche websites, mm -hmm. Find something specific that can draw 12, 14, 16,000 people a month to your site. And I thought, I, I don't even think I have 1,000 or 2,000 hits on my. Yeah. And I, I did everything you're supposed to do, start the marketing. Do the, you know, I, I explained all that. And it just uh, and I, I ran into this niche website thing. And I thought, there it is. So this last six months, I've been beginning to study online business, online film business. Oh, well, I'm sorry, online, just online business and trying to figure out how to incorporate online business into the film thing. And that's what literally brought me to, uh, uh, brought me to uh, the, um, 
your 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 podcast, you know. And so, <laughs> and so now I'm lit. Like I'm like excited, man. And I'm old school. I'm like almost thirty nine, and I'm, I'm about let's break bread and drink coffee and make plans and execute, execute. And and during this process, um, I I was able to create a web series, which everyone I I explained the concept to, they uh, everyone gets excited. But again. I could have 5,000 people come to my site, but if I don't know how to monetize any of that, right. it's nothing. And, 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 and real briefly, the, web, the, the, the concept of the web series is it's very audience interactive. Going back to how do I get people to interact with me about what I'm shooting. And it basically is I shoot an episode, you watch it, and then you tell me where you want the next episode to go. Nah. We take all of those suggestions and we shoot another episode. And you get to see your words, your ideas, your plots unfold. And so that whole concept is, I thought, who will talk to me when I post stuff on my online or whatever? And I thought writers, writers would like to see what they write on a visual medium. And so that's, and, and all of that went to pause so I could study business to figure out, I think I have the product, I think I have the concept, all that. But now, how do we master that online platform to get eyes on us and, and, and thus the niche websites? And are you are you familiar with Spencer Haas or uh, Longtail Pro? Longtail Pro, yes, his that software and um, yeah, I he kind of comes around the circles of some of the other guys I've been following of other online entrepreneurs uh, who talk about that. I think I've I heard of his stuff through um, Pat Flynn who does right. uh, Smart Passive Income. Because he uses long tail, he also uses um, some other tools to do his keyword search to try yeah. to find those niche sites, so he can determine what he might be interested in creating for. You know, sure, sure, exactly. And it's uh, it's really, it's a, it's a really cool tool. And um, you know, again, uh, kind of mimicking your concept of you know, because I want to shoot film, man. I mean, I, I know, I know a producer that has been uh, mentioned uh, in some of Stacy's uh, interviews. His name's Adam. I think his last name Corrado. Yeah, yeah. He's famous for doing the one million dollar film and getting that. His uh, with um, God, it was a couple of years ago. But he's he's yeah. very been active. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so I because it turns out he's in the National Guard um, down in California. So we had that little military connection. You know, I was on there trying to exploit my experience in Afghanistan. Like, hey, man, I designed this movie while I was overseas fighting the Taliban. Yeah, yeah. And he says, that's real cool, but no one gives a shit uh, that you were overseas. <laughs> you know? He's telling uh, you how it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but because he says, but I'm in the guard. Hey, can I ask him, can we talk? He's like, yeah. And over the last two years, um, he, him individually, he was able to take – he asked, hey, what do you do? I said, I got a writing friend. I do this and that. He optioned a script from me to uh, take it to Lionsgate. Couldn't get any talent attached to it. Lionsgate said, that's good, but uh, no, no talent. And then he, hired, he um, brokered me a, a writing deal out of Australia for some lady that hired him to produce a film. But the script was really struggling. I said, well, hey, just let me, you know, let me get a swing at it. Because you know? I'm just trying to get in his circle a little closer. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, I, got, I got paid uh, substantially well uh, awesome. to do yeah, yeah, it was just, you know, what is luck? You know, luck is being prepared for when the right opportunity, you know, uh, comes your way. So, um, but but with all that said, I, I still believe in, I, I think, like what you're talking about, multiple options. Hey, if I can write a hot script and I can give it to Adam 
And that hot script can li- align himself with a B-list actor that, that Lionsgate will do a pre-sale and say, hey, as a director, you get paid 50 Gs to direct that film. You're not going to make shit on distribution, but I'm going to pay you 50 to direct. It's all and about I'm the fees, pay- yep. Right, right. And so I'm not, I'm not at all opposed to that concept. But on the other hand, too, I just I don't feel like wasting my time, per se, trying to save all my money to shoot a big film to chase a distributor again. I'd rather take that money and those resources and figure out how to get 12,000 people a month to look at my site. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. While, like you said, trimming it down. So I really, really think what I want to do is, is start shooting one location films. Um, that's, you know, one location. I know that's very challenging and, and a lot of people haven't done it. But um, have you seen that movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds? Uh, I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. It's on my queue. Oh, brother, you got to check that out because the concept of what you're talking about, about trimming it down and, and doing a one-location shoot, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it is the same. Um, you're a film student. You know every time you move the elements, the light changes, the sound changes, this, this, and that. If you're on one location, all those elements that cause time and money begin to dissipate. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm in school now, but I think that is going to be my next angle like you is trim it down, get it thin, get it lean, but create a, a real engaging story, you know? Oh, I, yeah. I even think production time-wise, you're only dealing with one actor, you know? Yeah. There would be other characters like him looking through the, uh, through the computer, but being able to artistically change the scene and the feel without having to go anywhere with, with okay, now lighting and costumes and this and that. That is a you know a way you can execute without having to jump all over the place. I you tell know? you, yeah, I think I mean I was inspired because I knew that I needed to do the same thing too because I was trying to be realistic and say I can only commit to a film here and there after work and maybe on the weekends, you know. But what realistically right. can I do? And right. So it was just because we um, we were visiting our friend's uh, new apartment in town at, on my wife's birthday, and that night. I got inspired uh, that whole night. I just, I guess I saw a whole movie played out on my friend's apartment, but the friend's apartment turned out because they had, we were going to move. I had to just change the script to be in my own house. Right. And the thing, uh, what that does creatively is it opened the floodgates. I, it, it was crazy because I put the restrictions in place. It forced me creatively to to approach things differently, and then all of a sudden, once you get through one, like I got through the story, and I realized that it, it was a cohesive, you know, beginning, middle, and end. I don't think it, you know, it doesn't it's not earth shattering, but I I knew what I was getting into. It was more of like, here's a simple story, sure. And um, but now that just got my head just going like creatively. Like uh, the next film I'm I'm working on is even smaller. It again, takes place in this new house that we're in. And it just involves this little girl that's a friend of my daughter's. That's it, you know. Okay. Like you say, one character. But right. I'm I'm push, trying to push my uh, skill set and my creativity to to go even you know deeper. And like you mentioned, you know, buried buried as as a film of Ryan Reynolds. I was inspired by Hitchcock's Rope. I was inspired right. by The Breakfast right. Club. I was inspired. Right. There's a there's a film that was made for this a couple of years ago. Um, called Exam. It's for this uh, British filmmaker. Again, in one room and like it's just you know one set, 
And I do love the psych, the psychological things that kind of play in it's, just one set. And like being a fan of that, Twilight that, Zone. Yeah. yeah, is that is that the one where they're all like doing this interview test yes. thing for the job? That man, that movie. You know what made that movie so good? They were, I'm sorry, I, I my my military comes out, I yeah. get cussing. Does, does do you use vulgarity at all? Or is my oh, cuss? Yeah. No, no, cuss, cuss. Oh no, 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 no. There were so many fucking layers in that room. Everything from the glass breaking to the blue fucking light to right. licking on the paper. And the shit was believable. I mean, it was, I mean, legitimately, I love that film, bro. I love that film. Yeah, that was Stuart, film. Stuart Hazleton. Um, I follow him on Twitter, and once in a while he and I chat on Twitter. But um, it's here's, here's, a, here's the thing. So you make a, a great film like that that people love, uh, that, the, you know, kind of a cult status. And then he's been doing, I think, uh, doing screenwriting work. Um, he still lives in London, or and but he's but he hasn't quite broken through on the Hollywood side. So I always find that fascinating because we always hear these stories about like, hey, did you hear about these guys who, who made the deal with Lionsgate or they did this and that? And then you you they never do like a follow up story of like what really happens. Like ah, they're just they're just part. They get thrown in this part of uh, the Hollywood machine where, you know. They're writing, but they're they're just in development hell, or something happens. Like it's never like the happy ending, you know. Right. And then once right. in a while, they pop up later at because that of frustration of 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 those dreams never quite you know panning out. So that's what I was thinking. Like when I hear about all this stuff, like you know, here's how you do these gigantic crowdfunding uh, campaigns, and this is how you make a successful festival run, and this is how you uh, get it to a distribution deal, like. I always felt like you said it's like that twelve thousand. If you can keep it all together, all in your own control, right? Um, then, then you're not dependent on anybody else. I think that you know a lot of it stems from the fact that you know I was let go of PlayStation a couple of years ago, you know, before like the economy crashed, and I remember that experience of working in a corporate gig for so long that, you know, there is no safety net. I mean, I was there for twelve years, had great work, had stuff to pr show that I I was that I did well, but all my eggs were like in one basket. And so I was, I always kind of reminded myself from that, like, you know, moving forward, I can't never allow myself to get in that place again. I've got to have sort of a diversified uh, interest, you know, as well as be your own man, be your own entrepreneur, be that business person that is going to uh, take control of that. And then, you know, the movies that we make creatively, just because as artists, we have this insane need to just, Whatever we do, we'll always need to express ourselves. Whatever it is, it's a curse. And, yeah. And, oh, my God, it is. <laughs> Tell me about it. Man. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm an emotional freak and angry. Brother, I thought one time I was so just, just twisted while I was doing my film. I was going to throw all of my hard drives in the tub <laughs> and fill it with water and then call everyone that had committed all their time to me and tell them that my house was flooded. You know what I'm saying? Because it was such a, you know, it's almost torturous, man. You, you, you think back historically where all these, these magnificent people of art, man, that, that cut themselves and drink themselves to death and shoot heroin and all this weird shit. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I hear you, bro. I hear you on that. I'm sorry. I cut you off. But oh, man, no, no, no. I, I'm it concurring. Right there, yeah, I'm concurring because there is this weird need of like, it takes, it's so hard to make a film or make films and, is so, you know, you bleed for it, and then you make a product, and the reality is, is the world, uh, you know, receives it, and the worst feeling is when they receive it, and it's just like, eh, it's yeah. just like a, yeah, me, 
yeah. <laughs> you're you like know. you don't understand and like so there's a there's definitely pain involved with it and you know so anybody who gives you like any really truthful sort of like that was cool then it means everything right. to you yeah right exactly and you know what i'm i'm fortunate enough to have um a couple people around me that will will do that you know to be honest i i told you i was in california with my grandmother yeah. she saw the film and damn when your own grandma don't even lie to you you know she's like ah it seemed like it was trying to be too epic for horseshoes. You know? <laughs> Grandma, what the fuck? Hope you die lonely. I don't know. But, you, you know, and, and the truth is, like anything else, man, you, you get out there and you figure things out and, and, you're, and you're like, man, if I would have done this instead, you know, it's all learning lessons. And like, you know, it's pathetic. It's really pathetic now for me. I'm an eight-year <laughs> college student pursuing a two-year degree because of my <laughs> full-time work yeah but like you know it's like i'm myself and a handful of other cats are like oh that guy shot a feature film and you know the teacher's kind of hey could you come to class and speak on your experience on shooting and uh the film um all is lost with robert redford he's lost in the sea I mean, right there's he doesn't say anything half the time it's just a survival movie but you know i gotta as you're saying this i gotta think you know the stress too. I mean, man, I, I was waking up in the middle. No, listen, I was waking up in the middle of the night having production meetings while I was shooting my film, and I just got to think the stress has got to be a little bit less. You know, I mean, I would not neglect the pre-production piece, um, the storyboards or whatever, however your method is, but as a whole, you're not you're not having to negotiate with twenty, thirty, forty locations. You're not having to negotiate with seven, eight, nine, ten actors, you know, right. I mean, and, and the truth is, um, I, I, I do want to, uh, I, I want to hear about your, uh, the second movie. Um, but on the other hand too, is the, the cost of having the logistics, like anything, man, logistics is what kills you. you. Even if you're buying a number one at Burger King for, you know, <laughs> 10 people, that shit adds up, you know? Yeah. So, but okay. So your one location, one girl actor, in your home, what genre? It would be under a uh, thriller, um, horror thriller, and it's Thrill. just the, the most popular genre for anybody looking for that distribution. Um, but I'm not a horror horror guy. Like I won't put blood and stuff like that. There's no demonic things out of this thing. It's just simply it's the movie's called The Latchkey. And she's uh, a latchkey child. She comes. I, li I like that latchkey, man. Now latchkey is what again? That is like a kid that's raised in like daycare, right? No, it's a, it's a child that comes home without any parental um, supervision. Oh, okay. So like right, after right. school, uh, like I grew up as a latchkey kid. My 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 brothers and I, we would come home, and there's a, a time period from like three in the afternoon to five in the afternoon, or six in the afternoon, two to three hours a times period where kids are left alone by themselves. And they're called latchkey kids because the idea is that they have a key to the latch to in the side door or whatever so they can come home to. Um, so this is this, this kid, this little girl is like uh, 10 years old um, who comes home, who's just a latchkey kid by herself. And then she has to deal with um, ghostly behaviors or some stuff happenings in the house and has to deal with it by herself. Obviously, everything's got to have some kind of a twist at the end. So there's a twist to it. But you know what I'm going to do? for film trooper is now that I have the, the cube is finished, that's sort of just like saying, Hey, you know, film trooper respond from this, uh, this experience making this movie, the cube. Um, but I need to, in order to solidify what film troopers about, I need to make 
another one, uh, another film, and this is the film Latchkey. The difference is, is I'm, um, I'll be putting up um, sort of video diaries or case studies. So you'll see like the whole process, like here he is, here's the house. This is how I'm breaking down a script of like how to tackle this problem, you know, G- giving a lot of away of what the story is, but keeping the ending to, you know, somewhat of a surprise. And that's about it. And i um, hoping that uh, everybody can see that the, all the failures and the successes that I might have. At the, at the same time, I'm going to be sharing like the, uh, the post effect of what happens with the cube. You know, um, it's on sale right now. You can rent it or buy it through Vimeo on demand. And um, I've been uh, the guys at IndieRain.com have contacted me and see, to see if I can't get my film up there. Um, there's a whole new wave of sort of independent film distribution, and um, I'm trying to build it without ever again putting it to a film festival and then um, and then working these marketing techniques to a specific audience. The Cube, not to backtrack the Cube, but the Cube. The first wave of uh, audience interests or one, you know, the, the people I have in my network of family and friends, let's just, I market to them. Believe it or not, I still have to market to my family. You know what I mean? Uh, hey, <laughs> so you're not the only one then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. You still have to, like, even they know it, like, I still have to tell them, like, you know, rent the damn thing, you know? <laughs> right, But right. I just still make it, you just remind them over and over. So I, that's the first wave. The second wave is really other filmmakers who may be interested in knowing I try to propose that question, like, would you be interested in checking out a feature film that was made for five hundred dollars with no crew, and are basically saying are curious of what this looks like? That is a such. I'm telling you, I I I saw your first seven minutes. Is that your wife that you're grabbing the boobs on, or no? No, just an actress. I just had okay. I, yeah, totally. Different. Yeah, my wife. She's not well, an but I, I saw it. I mean, I saw it, and, and like I said, we all can sit around and poke holes, and hey, that could have been this or that. But um, the, the first seven minutes I saw, and to be honest with you, I wanted to talk to you first to see if you were a jerk or not. But I think I'm, I'm going to end, and I like you plenty, but I think I'm going to go ahead and, and watch your movie now. Okay. What I saw for seven <laughs> minutes, I liked it, man. Oh, I, thanks. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, the, and the concept there was something simple. It's like I knew we weren't good. You know what? I was just like, ah, screw it. You know, I haven't acted in a while. I did it when I was younger, so I was dusting off some cobwebs there. There are some – my acting has some craptastic moments in it, but the uh, a lot of it has to do because technically when I set the camera up on a tripod and the microphone off the, off the side, uh, the other actors would be acting normal. So they had their voices much softer and, you know, they were in, in the moment better than I was. I was already knowing what technically I was going to get out of the audio. I was I knew what was going on with the frame, and then I knew that I was supposed to act. So I was never quite there pre- in in the present moment in a f- couple scenes, and it definitely showed because like I did my best to edit around it and uh, to deal with it. Like I I remember purposely uh, speaking louder um, to. Um, in order to, to the microphone to catch all the dialogue because I knew what I was going to do with, deal with it on the post-production side. But right. the, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I came away with it. I'm like, um, you know, I was proud of the film just because of simply I, I didn't think I could do it, but I did it. And I was like, oh, I guess you can make a film with nobody behind the camera. <laughs> right, right. And then, uh, and then uh, but I knew writing this story that was like, it has to be about the, an object, like so. That's why there's you, the cube is always present, and I know it had to be some sort of a mystery, because 
you know, there's no famous people in it, and maybe the acting will just be passable. And, you know, but people might be curious to know, well, like, well, what happens next? I, I was trying to get to that place writing the story, which is like, what happens next? What happens next? And that would keep people engaged to watch it to the end, which is why when we uh, looked at it and said, hey, I'll, I'll give away the first seven minutes because it's like if you're seriously interested, it, it, it was kind of a, it's a funnel because if you if people really were into it, then you knew that they were fans enough to be like, OK, I'm willing to pay to see the rest of it because, you know, that was intriguing enough. But if people are like, ah, that's not for me. Then I, you know, I don't have to bother them. I don't have to waste energy on somebody who doesn't really give a crap, you know. No, no, I, you know what, I'm just, just sitting here talking to you now and, and getting to hear a little bit more. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm, I'm, st- I'm going to steal from you. Uh, you know, I, I, I like, <laughs> I, I've heard of those table reads and and using that as a network event, and 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 now this this concept of yeah, I'm gonna give you seven, and if you don't like it. Oh, you know, and if you don't like it, you tell me to piss up a rope and, and I'll keep my five bucks, you know, or yeah. if I do like it, hey, man, you, you've got a fan for life. So let me ask you this. Who uh, do you what is your forte in this whole film thing? Are you a writer? Are you a director? Are you an actor? Are you an editor? I mean, what <laughs> what is what are your I know at our level we do everything and I hate people asking me, what do you do? Yeah, you know what? You know the- I, I, I write well. I don't like to, but I write well, and I have to say that, you know, and it's just, yeah. what, do you, what do you do? I mean, I would say, it, like, you just summed it up. I honestly, um, like, like yourself, I feel like my strongest skill set is the editing um, because that's how I got the job at Sony. And the reason a lot of visual effects supervisors um, out on the big movie sets, their forte comes from both editing and compositing. Meaning yeah. that they're the last in line to grab all the material and make something out of it. So right. if you know what happens at the very end of something, um, uh, then you know per, pretty much how to manage it of like the elements you need to get it so that the end result is going to have the best impact. Right. So it starts from there. And I, I tend to try to reverse engineer from that. Again, I went to um, – I studied art. So I went to – I had art scholarships. So I was – a graphic artist, a painter, a drawer, and it wasn't until I got the other art forms, um, uh, the performing art form of trying uh, theater and acting, and then in the filmmaking. I think what it is is art was one part of it, but it's it, that's where it stemmed from. So um, I come to the table um, with well, editing. Perhaps. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I had done some acting when I was younger. It was a SAG card and everything like that. I like I said, now that I'm older, I'm you know I'm 41. I'm I'm up there with you, and um, my I'm daughter- not I'm not a homosexual bro, but you're good looking for 41. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the Asian side, my friend. I tell you something. I I get I get a lot of work because I have what they call you have to know your type, and my type is I have this ambiguous, uh, non-threatening ethnic look. <laughs> oh, okay. So we can't we can't cast you for no Taliban. Yeah, well you can't. I guess you just put some enough. You know. But you're you're nice looking though, so we can't do that. We gotta. <laughs> you can be the interpreter or something. Right. So then I uh, end up getting uh, a lot of work up here in Portland as like the husband or the father, and I I knew that that's where I was. Like I, I had no there's no pre uh, uh, what do you call it uh, sort of presumption that like um, this young 20 something with a, you know, the cut body and stuff like that. I know that I, I'm, I was trying to destine myself to be just the guy, like the dad, like in the, whatever 
acting roles I got, you know? Uh, right. Um, yeah. That's funny you say that, bro, because, uh, you know, I got the gray on the side and I got lines in my face and, you know, I'm <laughs> Italian and all of all these student films. Hey, we need you to be this mafia. Dude. We need you to be this Italian guy. This and that, this and that. And I'm like, fuck, man, I want someone with some emotion. You know, I want eye on camera. No, just tell him to go fuck himself. And there you go. <laughs> you know, and that's all they want to see. You know? Yeah. It's like you get to I type that way. And so, um, you know, the acting thing, honestly, is just for me. It's my own personal challenge. Um, it just like a year and a half ago, I started back up here in Portland. And um, but I got, you know, the, I, being on production for so long on the other side, I knew what, you know, the audition room needed. I knew what when I was on set, yes. what the rest of the set needed, like, you know, I knew kind of what they were doing with the camera, knowing like what was important, how everything matched, and all that kind of stuff. So exactly. I definitely approached because it. Because you're a lot going of... to edit that, and you need all those shots, you know, to make yeah. that stuff cut right. Yep. yep. So like... being on that back end, knowing that way I can apply the best professionalism I could on the acting side. Well, I got so comfortable with everything that um, one of the, the best things that happened last year was I got casted as a cop on the NBC show Grimm. Oh, no shit. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So I was I had two lines with the main actors and it was uh but you know the good thing I didn't die. So there's an opportunity for me to come back on the show. Uh, right, and, right. And you know, it was just it was as magical as you would hope it to be. Like they, you know, they take care of you, they give you a little trailer, you, know, you come in and next thing you know like you know, I got a close up and everything and I was just like and then it's on national television and I was just I was cracking up and um, I, sh I wrote a very extensive blog about my experience of, on that show as an actor. And I, sh that was probably the biggest blog that, I, uh, that response I got on the social media sphere. Cause I sent that out and it just went, it just took viral and I, you know, my site got so many hits that day, you know? Right. And, um, so that's what I do. But honestly, yeah, I approach it where the skill set is like, I, I guess going into no fear, I just look at it like, well, we need to create visuals in a video format, and how do you do that? Like I, well, I know how to edit, and if I need to write something, I just get on with it. I just start writing, you know. And the directing right. part is just like get on with it, you know. Right. It's kind of a weird thing when you think about this film because it's like it doesn't have a, dim, uh, a director of photography, you know. It's just sure. I just sure. set it up and I did most of the stuff in post, the colorization, everything like that, but. I, I love grading. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So honestly, to ask yourself, I think that the new wave of things is the is just straight up filmmaker. And what does that mean? And the idea is to move people into I'm a film trooper, which is a right. filmmaking entrepreneur. What the hell does that mean? Because it means that you can make your film, a film, feature film from your backpack. Everything you need, you know. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. You don't I even need a crew. And then because what do you mean entrepreneur? And then but all knowing that it all applies to a bigger picture. And I think one of the biggest, one of the um, important posts for me was uh, coming to the realization that, that Hollywood is not in the film business. They're in the business of license exploitation. Yeah. So yeah. knowing that when distribution companies ask for, we're going to get domestic rights or international rights um, and they need to have it for 25 years or whatever, but they need 100% control of that is because the studios, once they have control of a license that they can exploit over and over and over again, this is why we see remakes, why we see like television off spins, why we see merchandise being sure. created. Sure. And you listen to this and you realize that, you know, somebody like, um, you know, uh, 
George Lucas, you know, made all all that cash from the Star Wars toys because he was smart enough at the time to negotiate his deal when he sold the first Star Wars film to 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox retained the film rights, but Lucas retained all the merchandise rights. Right. Just, you know, and so I was thinking, like, why not apply that to the independent? If right. you control 100% control of whatever IP that you create, then you realize that the the real, real business is not in the film product itself. That is nothing more than an advertisement for whatever ancillary merchandise or exploitation, further exploitation you have of that license. But you have to control the license. You right. can't. You cannot hand it off to a distribution company unless that's part of your plan. But if you do, like you said, if whatever you create, you can create sequels. You can create spinoffs. You can, you right. know, and right. and. I just saw it like that, but I also know it's funny that you brought up, you know, uh, Spencer Haas, um, Film Trooper. If if I backtrack it, the Cube was just to see if I could just make it. And I made it. I was like, oh, so now I got to build something, an infrastructure around it. So mm-hmm. I started uh, my independent <laughs> entertainment company, uh, Arrow and Entertainment, to be an LLC to become my version of Warner Brothers or Paramount Pictures, you know? Sure, sure. So we would make, you know, films, web series, podcasts, and stuff like that. But I do know that the cash cow for so many businesses is the information um, industry, meaning that um, guys like uh, Robert Kawasaki, who did uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he created a whole empire teaching people how to become rich. Um I for prior to making the cube, I had dabbled in for a year in real estate investing, mm. and what I learned from that whole experience was simply um, there's you can make money, you know, flipping houses and and you know here you know make a good chunk of change here and there, but it's sporadic. It's not consistent. That's the same thing as a filmmaker going. I can make money. My one film is a hit. The other one's not that of a hit. You know, I make money sporadically here and there. But all their money comes from teaching courses. <laughs> yeah, I, teaching I, courses of like how things are done. Yeah, and I tell you what, I uh, I, I heard that the other day. Uh, you talking about that? So that's that's a great that's a great example, and it resonates well with me. So again, you have to be accomplished in those things you want to teach, so you can go, hey, you know, look at what I've done. So now I'll show you the way, kind of thing. And I think I can only speak for myself. I think that's where I'm at right now, trying to get that accomplishment and say, yeah, I, I made ten or twenty grand off of a $5,000 movie. You yeah. Know? So, and then I can go and chase an investor and go, look, pal, this is, here's my demographics here are my bank statements. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it again. So let me, let me ask you again, back on your latch key. Number one, I don't know if you have the long tail uh, pro software. I just did a search under latch key kids and it has uh, 1900 uh, local searches um, every month. Um, so somebody on the internet, 1900 people a month search for latchkey kids, um, that, that key phrase, um, the domain name latchkey kids is already uh, secured and the average, uh, keyword competitive competitiveness is like 35. So according to Spencer, you get up around 30, 35, you got to put some work in with your blogs and your content to start, you know, competing with that. But the fact that 1900 people search that shit. You know, and, and I'm sure they're looking for something different than a movie, but that's what I just was able to pull up from your latchkey. So w- when are you uh, – uh, okay, so 
have you written this story yet? Or it's, you- it's outlined, and so what we're doing is writing this um, the specifics based off the location. So you um, you'll see it like in the video uh, case studies that'll be coming out. It's simply like yeah. me walking around going, "Okay, I've got this." This setup, like my daughter's loft or something here, I can do something here with the story, you know. Mm. So you'll see the process of that. So it's the the I have an outline, but now it's just right of the script. But it's interesting about the script is you know there's very little dialogue because she's by herself, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. So I'm hoping that the the process goes a little faster than working out the characterization through dialogue. But it's a good thing that you brought up the – it's so funny you brought up the long-tail software. You're right. So what that is is um, I've secured uh, latchkeymovie.com and thelatchkeymovie.com, you know. Okay. So what I would do if we're talking business-wise was to – as I build these video uh, case study blogs is, um, one, you know, start building that relationship with those other – Entities that already exist that have a strong, you know, um, clout number, I guess you sure. would call it. Sure. And just to be on their radar, you know. So when the movie does come out, you sort of cross promote with them and, you know, piggyback on their, their clout already. So you're not necessarily competing 100% because you're just adding to value to what they're doing. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of the strategy. And uh, also, you know, then you have another segment that you would build marketing. Um, a marketing campaign for uh that's the horror base you know thriller based um but the story also is about you know uh, young women uh, empowerment for young women you know sure and so sure. there's going to be a whole different demograph for that you know so that it's uh but i do see it definitely the long tail it's, and uh there's something i learned when i was working at sony which is like you can have it fast you can have it good you can have it cheap but you got to pick two ah so the good, it, fast or cheap i like it so okay so I'm not, you know, if I can't go, um, if I don't have the money for the marketing stuff, it's not going to be cheap. But if it's going to, it has to be good, you know, um, like I say, if, you, if you're going to be, if it's going to be good and fast, then you have to have money. It, it can't be cheap. So it's, right. go, it's going to be cheap because it's, you know, I'm doing it on my own. Um, and I want it to be good. It won't, it can't be fast. So it has to be more of the long tail process. Right. So right. It's, it's, and they, and that usually is like six months. They all say like six yeah. months to a year, depending on how much content. But there's people out there you can buy five dollar ghost writers for, you know, and yep. five yep. ten bucks. And I, I literally was going to uh, hire out a package deal and go, look, I need a hundred fucking articles, man. So get, why don't you give me the bulk discount? And here's your subject, you know. Yeah. And I met a, I met a lady out uh, back east. And she was brand new to Odesk, and she was writing me articles that this thing I barely start and barely and, and shut down quickly because my teenage daughter is a she's a teenage girl you know we're, we're doing this like this fun fatty cookie man at twelve thousand people searching that a month and i thought soldier and daughter baking that's going to pull heartstrings and yeah, then she turned yeah. and then she turned into a 16 year old daughter and didn't want to do it anymore like, oh <laughs> i'll choke you out man so i didn't choke her though but but how, how long how long do you think your production is going to are you not even going to be able to guesstimate that um, until oh, you get I, your well, script written. Yeah, the script. I think um, I'm scheduled. I'm tr- get it shot uh, by end of spring and have it, you know, edited by the summer, end of summer. You know, so it's are, are ready for gonna, fall. Are you go- are you going to film it in chunks, or are you just going to grab the kid for a week and go for it? Oh no, it'd be chunks. It's it's. <laughs> I'm trying. I also love the idea. Like the idea they said, uh, no stress lifestyle. So 
it sure. happens to be my friend, my daughter, and she, uh, her friends are these two sisters. So one of the one of the girls will be the main actress, while my daughter and her other friend um, are my crew. So I have child labor. <laughs> ah, very good. I like and it. So it's just you know a couple hours after school here and there in chunks, ah. and I don't have to worry about you know extensive meals. I mean I feed the kids anyway, so that comes out of the meals anyway. It no. sounds like you have a good solid plan though, and that's that's really what happens. You know what you need. Thanks. So what I do is like, you know, after I write the script, I do the breakdown and the scheduling. Um, I use Final Draft and I throw it out to Tagger and then uh, the tag uh, offshoot of Final Draft. And that um, I have an old copy of um, uh, Movie Maker or it's Entertainment Partner Scheduling. So oh. bring, it brings that in. It brings the automatically just breaks up um, all your um, your scenes into the proper um uh, strip boards and I just base I just work off that I say okay I'm gonna get all these you know realistic I, I know like realistically I only have two three hours and how much I can get done and then I break it up in chunks so it might just be like you know today we're just gonna work on uh, the scene where you first see the the ghost and, and it's opening this door so like sure. you know it's that's all we're gonna work on today but knowing that it kind of works out and the, and the and the amazing thing about it is because we're not slave to multiplexes where we need to have the 90 minute runtime or whatever it is, or 120 minutes. Um, the thing about being just directly online, you're freed up from that. And people probably pr appreciate if it's a lot shorter, not like a short film, but you know, n nobody ever complains like, Oh, that was really good. I wish it was just a little longer. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> people are like, that's really good. Like, but I wish it was shorter. It's what usually happens. Nobody ever complains that they wish it was longer. So right. it's it's amazing about the, there's no there's no restrictions like that just um, just that we've been trained as an audience and as writers and, and going to school it's like here's first thirty minutes your you know your act right. and then it breaks into the, you know second act and the third act you know wraps it up at the seventy five page mark or whatever to to close it out at ninety minutes or hundred minutes or whatever it is you know right but you can probably right. get there faster um, and I think people would appreciate their or respond to something that's maybe 75 minutes long, you know? Sure. So, sure. um, some of the early Disney films were like that too. They're just like short and sweet, you know, like yeah. 70 minutes. was, you know, that's it. That was the feature. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I so that's what I, that's how I'm approaching it. And, um, and I know that I could, uh, and because I want this one in particular to be even smaller than what the cube was, because um, uh, I again, it's it's done in two things. One, just because I think it's a neat story that I've got that I can, um, you know, maybe it's been told before, but whatever. That was it's I I just get to do it, and I know it hits a certain genre and it hits a certain demographic. Um, but I keep the cost down low, and then also trying to get creative in the way we finance it in terms of like how do you pay it out to people that are involved. So um, that's something I learned about with real estate investing was there's a lot of creative financing that doesn't work. It works outside of the norm of like, you know, you think about buying a house like, oh, you get a realtor, you know, you put your down payment, you know, and from there you can draft up the loan for whatever percentage you get, you know. Well, there's a lot of property out there that realtors don't even want to touch. And this is where the real estate investors come in, you know, because – the same amount of work a realtor goes through trying to sell a really nice house, nice house, um, they do about the same amount of work trying to sell like a house that's almost run down, you know. 
Right. But they, right. But they always want the bigger uh, sale because they get a bigger commission. Sure. And there's a lot of these properties that just that go uh, you know unnoticed that the real estate investors swoop in and, and figure out creative financing ways of getting uh, getting the house bought you know sold to them a discount and then flipping it uh, to somebody who can do the renovation and then they turn around and sell that for even b- bigger profit because they've done all the work to fix it up. Sure. So how that work in film is that. Um, my train of thought was that I realized like, oh, well, what happened if you creatively finance it with film instead of doing the same thing like where everybody's just looking to get their fee and then and then the magical back end that never exists for anybody involved. Right. Be like, well, it only takes somebody being more transparent with the accounting and simply offering up something like this. Like, hey, Tony, you get to be in this film. Here's a deal. So here's the project. Here's whoever everybody's involved. And then. What it is is that on the profits, you know, um, we're really here making this film to sell, like, say, merchandise. Like, here's the set of T-shirts or the toys or something that we're making because that's what we're really trying to push. And in the deal, you, for every dollar uh, that the company earns, um, you know, 15% goes to marketing, 25% goes to taxes, you know, and then 5% contingency. That leaves, whatever, 30 40% of profit. Within that 30 40%, because of your involvement, you get a 2% you know, cut of it. And so right. as long as the accounting is, is refreshed, there's incentive to, that the thing does well, that you sell all this merchandise or ancillary stuff, and that's where you would make your money. Because if something does take off, so something does sell like millions of dollars, like this little project that you were involved with, like, man, I struck, you know, I struck a gold. I made like $150,000 off that thing or whatever it was. So that's why I'm structuring it with um, my daughter's uh, friends and her is that their mom has said, look, I'm not paying the kids anything, but they will get this education of how, you know, movies made. And then at the same time, like if we do make anything on the digital sales, uh, every dollar that's earned, here's the percentage, this is where it goes. And your daughter would get like 5% of the profits, you know. Now, is that based on now? Is that based on uh, gross or is that based on net? Well, it would be um, net because the okay. because okay. because the gross would be like the the one dollar gross you would have, but then you have to like it's understood right up front that you're telling the people that are involved like look every dollar that's earned the company still needs to take twenty five percent out for taxes that we're going to get hit. We need to have fifteen percent of that dollar go to uh, marketing like if we're gonna buy sure. Facebook ads or whatever it is you know to keep to keep the thing going right and then then there's 40% left over for what we call the net the, the, the profit net and of that percentage then you are entitled to whatever five percent of it you know so, but okay yeah I'm just I'm trying to make sure that but but this is so I, I guess that this is kind of where how I structured my film. In regards to hey, everyone gets a cut, and I'm paying myself. I'm paying the the cost of the production back, part of the percentage of everything that's come in. Every dollar that comes in, a piece goes to taxes, a piece goes to talent, a piece goes to marketing, and a piece goes to paying the company back. Is that what you're doing, or are you entirely paying the company back before anybody makes any money? Yeah, there's that's the thing. If you get like investors, then definitely they're like first in line, so they take the bulk right. of the money. But it's right. like if you go like a film trooper way, which is like you you don't have any investors, like you're making it on the cheap that way. 
Yeah. But you need, but you're knowing that you're needing to run it like a business. But yeah. the business takes the, but it doesn't matter because the, the business could, it's true, like a true bootstrapping thing. Like the dollar, okay. every dollar that is earned from the, the digital sales, um, there are expenses that need to be paid. Uh, perhaps like the cost of using right. Vimeo Pro, the PayPal percentage takes its cut, you know, um, and then the taxes that you had to pay for running your LLC, all those things. And this, so the profit percentage of that dollar might equate to like say 30, 40%. I, uh, yeah, of that is what you uh, give to your talent and crew. Okay. Now you could do something like um, structure it saying like, you know, they won't get paid out until like the first 5,000 or something is earned. So the company got, you know, right. is up and running, you know, and then after the 5,000 you can hand it off. But, you know, if you just if you're just disciplined enough to just say like like anything like every dollar it's earned we you know um, we know that percentage goes to all these things because we're trying to keep the ship running you know and yeah. and then at the end of the day um, if you don't make that much then it's like you know then the people involved are like I guess it just didn't make that much you know <laughs> right there's, there's no hiding it like. The great thing is, like, I, I want to do, like, what Pat Flynn does on his uh, Smart Passive Income. He does this uh, monthly income statements where he shows, yeah. like, all the different so, businesses he has, how many money, how much money goes to expenses, and how much he actually is earning that month that gets everybody drooling. Like, oh, my God, you know? Right, right. I want to get to that place where to show uh, in the next month or so, like, um, just because – I'm trying to do this thing in Film Trooper. I do. I need to be fully transparent and expose myself to the the community that follow me on Film Trooper. That that the stuff I'm putting out to say, okay, so I made this film, The Cube. You know, um, the problem number one is like I didn't never identified a very uh, niche audience. You know, so I didn't have any data that way. So what were the problems going forward because I didn't develop a project like that? And say like, and here's the marketing materials that we made to try to push to this community, and then here's the money that came in. Here's like, I'll, I'll just show like a, a screenshot of like Vimeo in demand, like how much we were able to make, you know? Right. Um, so I've had it out for like a week, and I made fifty bucks. So the, I'm trying to get, like I said, get to a place where it shows that I made like five hundred. I'm trying to get to show, shows that I made a thousand dollars, and that way I can legitimately say to people like if you want to know I'm, i doubled my profits or it goes i made or something like that i doubled my profits from a feature film i made do you want to know how right right <laughs> I mean, exactly. it's like it's like silly because you're like wait a minute you made it so for so low of course you made it for that much more you know but the the point is if you if you show that like you say you made something ridiculous like twenty five thousand dollars or something then you whatever the math is like how i pro, you know quad you know whatever thousand oh. times my pro uh, you know my my profits how did i do it like you know that that kind of stuff so yeah no it definitely makes sense um it definitely makes sense hey brother i got to uh i got people coming over here in the next uh, little while so i got to cook some lasagna mm. but um i did i did want to offer to you as you're doing this uh you know this little uh video diary follow me as i make uh, uh latchkey um uh, if you need, if you feel it, an, a creative need to have somebody interview you concerning what you're doing, please feel free to reach out. Um, I, I have all the technology on the back end through Skype and studio speakers and, oh, and, nice. and microphones and what have you, if you want to do it a video-wise or whatever. But if there's something that requires an outside entity creating a product that you can show, 
please, I would like you to uh, feel very comfortable in reaching out to me to, to help you do that. Um, I, there's not a lot of us, I don't think, out there that think the way we think. And, and, and it's even more of a trip that we're shooting, we're both have this desire to shoot in the one location. Yeah. And I know, I know it gets really fucking lonely out here because everybody's doing their own thing. So I would like to extend myself to you to say, hey, if there's something you need right now interview-wise or like to do a show where I'm blasting you with a bunch of questions, by all means, let me know. Eventually, I want to connect with you and say, hey, okay, I got my single location movie ready to go. Can you jump in? You know? yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's truly just so we're all transparent. You know? That's why we do what we do to meet and work and support and get help. You know, yeah, so. and, and then on the top of that, if like you do it, and then you you work it with the niche audience based off the long tail, like uh, the the back end research, like starting from a niche audience and working backwards, and you're finding success, and like you saying, you're finding that sixteen thousand people, whatever month or whatever it is, that that is helping you. I mean that that is the goal of Film Trooper to be like, yeah, see, look. I'm not the only one. Check check out what Tony has done, you know. Right. And Jason, actually, the guy you talked to, Jason Brubecker, he he's on it. I could tell, like, he had a, a couple different ventures with being aggregators and stuff like that. that yeah. The, what he's doing with his filmmaking stuff where he's trying to sell the courses and stuff like that. Yeah. He, he, he gets it. He knows exactly what he's trying to do. I'm sure I want to offer the same thing with Film Trooper. It's like somebody who's doing education in conjunction with, you know, you're seeing all the, the fumbles and bumbles of somebody still trying to make it and, and trying to produce, you know, a film one, at least one a year. Right. And, then, and that way it's like, hey, the, the, you see it. The guy's just doing it. Very much like what Pat Flynn does with his, his, his Smart Passive Income. He just makes, you know, uh, niche sites and he shares it on his Smart Passive Income. My feeling is the same way with the film stuff. It's like, this makes little films, you know, try to sell it directly to an audience and then report back onto Film Trooper what those experiences, uh, trial, those failures were, or whatever it might be. Right. Cool, brother. Cool. So um, I, I, won't, I won't try to lock you into a position because I'm sure I'm going to get busy really quick. But I would like, if possible, once a month, maybe once every month and a half or two, that we can just get on the phone for an hour and just kind of chop it up and, you know, hold each other accountable a little bit to um, what, what we're doing, because I'm telling you, brother, I am really, really excited for you, excited what you created. And you know, I'm, I don't feel so lonely anymore. You know, that I there's somebody you. else out there doing what I'm doing. You know, I was funny that you said that because I was feeling the same way. It's like, oh, man, this could be kind of cool. We should do like a monthly like, you know, check in with Tony, our first, you know, official film trooper, real troop, you know, and this right, is how right. he's applying it or something like that. And yeah, I'm, I dig it. I totally dig it. I really appreciate the conversation and, and for you reaching out. And I'm excited to check out some of your other stuff. And um, I'll follow up with you on email. You can shoot me some of the links to stuff you have. And then, sure. um, yeah, like I said, I, I feel accountable now. Like, right. you know, you, you throw up something and you get a community feedback. Then the shit hits the fan. You're like, oh, my God, I feel accountable. Now I can't let people down. You right. Know? It's like this weird thing. So, No, it's all good, my friend. So, all right, um, I, I will. I will let you go. Um, I appreciate everything and uh, the opportunity to talk with, uh, to you, and, and good luck. And hopefully, we'll talk sooner than later. Rocking. Hey, Tony, thank you so much, man. And and, and wish I could have some of that lasagna. Sounds good. I'll forget about it. you. Get down to Vegas, brother. You can lay your head down. We'll we'll go drink and eat lasagna. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love All it. All right. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. <laughs>